Well, for the second week in a row, Neil Brown says he just coached in a football game that was unlike anything he's ever experienced. And for the second week in a row, West Virginia comes out on the losing end of a game that just genuinely boggles the mind. We're going to try to make some sense of it on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Nick Farrell and Ryan Decker here with you as we break down West Virginia's 48-34 homecoming loss to Oklahoma State. The Mountaineers have now dropped back-to-back games, 4-3 and three overall, 2-2 two and two in the Big 12. And in the span of two weeks, Deck, this West Virginia team goes from surprising, gritty, and optimistic to undisciplined and unable to finish. It's some of the results, I think, the last couple weeks that I think many expected coming into this season. Now, the way they've gotten to these results has been unexpected and kind of like Neil Brown said, has been in ways that you you don't see quite often. Uh, Speaking of this game here today against Oklahoma State, it was a game that I think for two and a half, three quarters, Neither of these teams really wanted to take control and really put their uh, put their kind of stamp on this game. But in the end, Oklahoma State and Nolly Gordon do just that, and they take over in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so our turning point brought to you by First Green Mortgage. Your home is the heart of what we do. Could be just about any number of things in that fourth quarter during which the Cowboys ran away with the ball game by two scores. Uh, to me... It's the second of four Oklahoma State scoring drives in the fourth quarter that really swung the pendulum. That was the one in which the Mountaineers were penalized for 30 yards, 30 yards on one singular play. Yeah. And then allowed Brendan Presley to score on a 29-yard touchdown. And it seemed like the Mountaineers had him gobbled up for maybe even a loss back to the line of scrimmage. So instead of kicking a 50-yard field goal, after their kicker, Oklahoma State's kicker, had missed a 31-yarder just before halftime, Brennan Presley scores a touchdown because West Virginia just simply did not tackle. Um, but if it's not that play, it could be any singular touch that Ollie Gordon had in the fourth quarter. Yeah, pretty much. Dude goes 29 carries for 282 yards and four scores, including about 150 rushing yards in the fourth quarter. I mean... This might be overly critical. Deck, it seemed like West Virginia was simply uninterested in tackling him. I mean, I knew it was, you know, he's the kind of guy, it's a business decision to tackle, right? right 6'1, yeah. 212, 215. Uh, no one really seemed to want to tackle him very much in the fourth quarter. No one seemed to want to tackle him, and also no one seemed capable of, of tackling oh my gosh. him. Now, uh, uh, lo- looking at what I've got right here, uh, Ollie Gordon for 282 yards, first opposing rushing back or running back, I should say, to go for at least 280 against WVU since Khalil Herbert of Kansas back mm-hmm. in 2017. I believe that's the correct stat there. But yeah, I mean, speaking just of today, Ollie Gordon just could not be brought down there in the fourth quarter, and it, it was interesting. I think it was his last touchdown run, the one that really just kind of put this game away and to bed. Uh, there was someone standing beside me, and I almost had a chance to say, West Virginia's getting the ball back in the next three plays, either by touchdown or by turnover. I didn't get a chance to say it because Ollie Gordon ripped off a 53-yard touchdown it, run, and that, yep. that was the game at that point. Right. Yep, it, exactly, Deccan. And, I mean, you could also point to the muffed punt Uh, When Andrew Wilson Lamp ran into Preston Fox, that was early in the fourth quarter. And I think at the time, West Virginia was leading Mm 24-20 and then gets the ball back 27-24 down instead of having a chance to go and take a two-score lead, right? Um, But it was that 
that critical sequence, Gordon's first of two fourth quarter touchdowns, to me, that really sealed the deal. Because at that point, West Virginia trailed and and never really seemed in the ball game again. That that was when they trailed for good. So, Deck, here's what I want to do. Right, I, I think let's let's start with the bad and go to the good. I want to know what you did like and what you didn't like from WVU today. But let's start with what you didn't like. And I think that you really have a buffet to choose from. Here. That is true. I will go with something that Neil Brown mentioned in his postgame press conference this evening. And that is that at the beginning of both the first half and the second half, West Virginia did not get off to a good start offensively. Really didn't get off to a great start defensively in either half either, but especially offensively. Did not get off to a good start. So in the first half, you end up going down 10 nothing very quickly into this game. And then in the second half and when you have a chance to possibly extend your lead possibly take control of this contest West Virginia mm-hmm. lets Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon really start to get going and you just saw that manifest the entire second half so that that's what I would say would be what I did not like yeah. about this game from West Virginia I, I agree with you deck I'm just going to I mean, we already discussed this, but to me, tackling was the issue. Right. If you watched Mountaineer game day this morning, I said that that was my key for West Virginia. Had to be able to tackle Ollie Gordon. And and again, I'll use the term uninterested because Coach Brown says it wasn't fatigue. So, I I mean, Gordon is a good ball player. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And and he's hard to bring down. And 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 but there were just times, man, in that fourth quarter where Gordon was off to the races and nobody was really racing with him. It was just him all by his lonesome. Right. Uh, And and so, you know, as Coach Brown pointed out, Virginia really short on depth at linebacker, and I think that's really fair. I think mm-hmm. it really showed today yeah. that, that West Virginia's lack of depth and experience at linebacker hurt this team in this specific ball game. Uh, and then you know the, the penalties today too. Again, yeah. West Virginia just hurting itself. If if you can't stop somebody, okay, that's one thing. If you can't defend the pass, that's another thing. When you continue to have these mistakes that put you further and further behind the ball you're not going to win football games, right? right? I mean, again, I'm going to circle back to the point about the Houston game, and I know probably no one wants to talk about it anymore, Deck, but it's not just the Hail Mary. It's not just the interception that led to a 14-point swing, right? When when you do something that is in your complete control and get a penalty in that sequence, you know, that's the ball game, right? Or at least right. you give your opponent a chance. And, and same with that possession in the fourth quarter where, where West Virginia gets two penalties, 15-yard penalties for a combined 30 mm-hmm. yards to put Oklahoma State right on the doorstep there. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is inexcusable. Right. And, and, you know, speaking of penalties, it's not like Oklahoma State didn't have their share of penalties True. in this game. Yeah. That roughing the kicker or running into the kicker on the uh, extra point there late in the fourth quarter, that really could have swung momentum in this game as well. Unfortunately, West Virginia not able to capitalize mm-hmm. on the onside kick attempt but, I mean, you know, th- th- that's not an excuse for West Virginia, but certainly they were not alone in this game of kind of shooting themselves in the foot metaphorically. Yeah, and as Coach Brown explained, it gives you more sort of reason to gamble for the onside kick in right. that moment, right? Because even if you don't get it, Oklahoma State does not ha- necessarily have the same type of field position that it would have on a regular onside kick. Uh, and once again, it did not matter didn't. because yeah. Oklahoma State seemed like it was going to score every time it touched the ball yeah. in that final quarter. All right, give me something you did like. Justin Johnson. Okay. I mean, really hard to come away from this game and not be impressed with Justin Johnson, what he was able to do today. First time we've seen him in a long time, and I thought he, he ran physically. He ran determined. Uh, you, you could see the way he was running. We haven't really seen West Virginia running backs run that way outside, I would say, of C.J. Donaldson in the Penn State game for the majority of that contest and then against Pitt as well when he had his best game of the season thus far. J- Justin Johnson really did well today I thought especially for a guy like we like we mentioned has not played in a little bit you yep. didn't know what you were going to get out of him and, and Neil Brown said coming into this week 
West Virginia has to figure out its rotation at running back. I think actually another wrinkle just got added into it because of what Justin Johnson did today. 14 carries, 72 yards, averages 5.1 a touch, and also gets touchdown on the day as well. And, you know, not to go back to the last kind of point, but what I didn't like was C.J. Donaldson, another rough mm-hmm. performance out of him today. Yeah, you got stats on C.J.? C.J. Donaldson, 13 carries, 39 yards, mm-hmm. only averages 3 uh, yards per carry. He does have a touchdown there at the end, yeah. but his longest rush of the day was just 7 yards. Which has been the story as of late, yeah. between 3 and 4 yards per touch. Uh, so, yeah, that, that continues to be an issue. So it's a great point about Justin Johnson. I, I think an easy guy to point toward is Garrett Green mm-hmm. today, right? Um I think much is going to be made of the fourth and two. And he even explained after the game that it was a bad read. He takes ownership for West Virginia not being able to move the chains there. But again, 249 passing yards, 117 rush yards. When it seemed like West Virginia couldn't get the ball moving, Green was the one they relied on. Uh, But I'm going to just, I'll go Preston Fox here in terms of an individual. Four receptions on six targets for 81 yards. A couple of really fine catches Mm -hmm. on balls that maybe he had no business catching, really. Really? Um, so so I think that's a good sign because, you know, it's an, yet another game in which somebody else has stepped up at that position for West Virginia. It was Devin Carter a couple of weeks ago. It was Hudson Clement earlier in the season. Today, it's Preston Fox on a night where Clement was injured and knocked mm-hmm. out of the game, uh, I guess, before halftime. We don't have an update on his prognosis. Probably going to get one early next week. Um, but it is a good sign to see that both uh, Preston Fox and uh, EJ Horton made some some big catches yeah. in this game. So, all right, let's go now and take a short break. We'll listen in to head coach Neil Brown's postgame comments in just a moment. Don't fall behind on your home improvement projects. Let First Green Mortgage help you with their variety of home improvement loans, and you can rest assured that your loan stays here. Visit their offices in Bridgeport or Morgantown or apply anytime online at the all-new FGM.bank. Time to go to the podium with head coach Neil Brown for his thoughts following West Virginia's 48-34 Big 12 loss to Oklahoma State on homecoming. Crazy fourth quarter. Um, I don't think I've ever been a part of a game like that. Um, this one stings more than even the one last week. Um, broke kind of the string of events down here. Let's see if I can get this right. I think we're up 24-20 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. 24-20. Um, 14 minutes and some change, and um, we run into our own punt, punt returner. So we're going to get the ball back up four with 14 minutes to go, and uh, I, I can't explain it. I, 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 I can't explain that one. Um, that's uh, We work that um, twice a week, that very, that very situation, and uh, – that's a hard one for me to explain. And um, they score, um, and it's 27-27. Um, we go down and kick a field goal to tie it up. 27-27. They get the ball somewhere around the 30-yard line, give or take. Um, and um, I can tell you exactly where it was. So they get the ball, 29-yard line. It's either third and four, third and five. And I thought our guy was just clearly held at the point of attack. Um, they ran a, a stack formation to the field. Uh, I thought Marcus Floyd um, clear uh, right out in the open. And then uh, we missed a tackle. Presley goes in to score, 34-27. Um, and then uh, we get the ball in midfield, fourth and two. And uh, 
I felt like we were struggling, which proved right. We were struggling to to tackle, so went for it right there. And, and really, we should have handed it off. And and Garrett played his tail off. Like he he played his tail off. Gave us a chance to win. Um, sometimes he thinks he's Superman. He can make all the plays, but that read told him to give it. Um, and he's got to give it. And um, and I'm not faulting him because I thought he's the only reason you know we had a chance. You know he he was really good. Um, so they get the ball at midfield, and then from there on out, it's the Ollie Gordon show. He had 150 yards in the fourth quarter. I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, I don't. I don't. I know. I've never been part of a team that give up 150 yards in a quarter to somebody. Um, you know, we, I don't know if we tackled him in the fourth quarter. Um, extremely frustrating. I thought offensively we competed, got back into it. Um, on that last drive, I thought we clearly got pass interfered. Um, Cole Taylor on the first down play down there. Um, so I'll have to get an explanation on that one. Um, but I thought we'd score there and kick again and see what, see what we had. And uh, But that's kind of disappointing, you know, to say the least. I thought this was a game that going in the fourth quarter we had a chance. Um, really had a chance to go up and, and take either a seven or an 11-point lead. And uh, some, some mistakes that – uh, I have a hard time explaining. So, you start with your defense, and they were holding on through the first three quarters, getting at least holding people to at least field goal or field goal tries. But fourth quarter, just fatigue. What was it? I, you know, I, without watching it, we just we didn't fit the runs. You know, they weren't doing anything special. They run split zone. You know, it's probably our first or second most called play here, and so it's something we see every day. Um, wasn't any surprises. You know, they got they got in the pistol maybe a little bit more um, than they have in previous games. But other than that, we just we just missed a bunch of tackles and ran by the ball. And that's what it looked like from the sideline. Now, I may tell you something different on Monday, but we just – we ran right by the ball and, and missed tackles. With 2.36 left, what was the thoughts on the onside kick and, and did you think about setting So, you know, I was – we had both of them called up. So, when they got the penalty late hit on the kicker, it's very – you know, you're talking about maybe a 10-yard difference. So then um, probably was going to kick it deep until we until they got the late hit on the kicker. Once they did that, the ball is in such a – you know, you're, you're dealing with 10 yards. So, like, then it makes the, the risk worth, worth the reward. You went unbalanced, heavy set as much as I can remember. You've done it in the past. But was that the most – and why was that sort of the game plan? Yeah, so try to put our best people at the point of attack. Um, I thought we really kept them off balance. You know, um, we did some good things. You know, we ran the ball for 226, threw it for 250. Probably there was probably another, you know, 50-plus yards there in the pass game. Um, so we just wanted to get them uncomfortable. They were they were kind of matching it and playing four down, which is not what they practice. You know, they're, they're three down, and they were um, – we really felt like we had them off balance and, and did, some, did some good things. Uh, we started the game really porous on offense. You know, and and recovered well after that, um, but both halves really love to have the the first the first drive after halftime back. You know, we didn't it wasn't very good, um, but I thought we did some good things offensively. Did you sense any adjustments or anything up in space for Ollie that they did at halftime or in the fourth quarter? Or no, yeah, I mean the third quarter we I mean he was he's a good back right, so he's gonna and they handed him the ball a bunch. You know, through three quarters, I think through three quarters, I'm a ballpark this, Mike. I don't know if I'm exactly right. He had 120 to 130, probably. Um, 
and you know they were mixing it up counter inside zone and then you know we I don't know without watching it what it felt like is we ran by the ball a bunch and uh, and we missed tackles got out of our gap and just flat I don't know how many tackles we missed it felt like a bunch you know, some of that fatigue, fourth quarter, guy running at you again and just no. the numbers a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get fatigued. You know, that's kind of the way I think about it is it's a hell of a lot harder to run the ball 29 times than it is to stand back and tackle him probably, you know, because we're rotating some guys in. Now, we don't have much depth at linebacker right now. Um, and I think that showed. We got some really young guys right there at the point of attack. Um and they're kind of they're kind of learning as we go. Um, so was fatigue a factor? I, maybe I, I I have a hard time really. As much as we train and, and prepare, I have a really hard time pointing to that and saying, "Hey, fatigue got us." I just I don't know. And then um, the punt you say you're working on that a bunch. Is it was it not called like, "Hey, watch out"? Or did he not yeah. So the 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 way you teach your that jammer position is is you teach them to peak, right? They're always peaking. So you got to when you go back and get your guy, you always peak the returner, and and that's the way we work it. So we work a drill every Monday, and then when we do punt or punt return, which is on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, you know that's something that's that we const, constantly do. What's Garrett reading on that fourth and two? He read it was just his own read. It was his own read, and you'll have to ask him. But my 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 jump at my and I'm probably my hunch is pretty pretty good with him and is he just tried to make a play he said i'm going to make a play and the end got upfield and he should have handed it because like uh, we ran it about three other times and we had an explosive run on it really good run you know we had numbers you get two for two you read their best player you know and uh and so if they if they bend then you got you got our guy who's been our best player on offense um, skill-wise, which is Garrett running the ball. If they don't, then it's lagging. Our backs will fall forward for two, and you got a first down. What did you say to the team after the game, just after last week and this again? Yeah, you know, like, here, here's the thing is, like, I just – you got to play better. You know, I'm not in the mode where, like, like nobody feels sorry for us. You know, like, um, we didn't play well enough to win last week, and we made some untimely mistakes. And we got five games left, and nobody on our schedule feels sorry for us. You know, like UCF had a we go we go down there next week, and and they played one of the top teams in the country's tails off. You know, coming off a of bye week, um, we come back home and BYU they don't care. You know, nobody we nobody we play on our schedule is going to feel sorry for us. And at the end of the day, man, you got to prepare and you got to go play. And I thought our guys uh, were prepared. I don't think this is a lingering. You know, if, if we came in here and, and this game wasn't, then you say, oh, we, uh, we had a hard time responding. That's not the case. We responded. We're up 24-20 in the fourth quarter, and we don't get it done. You know, and you got to figure out ways to win, especially at home when you're up 24-20. So you don't think the emotions of last week? Say again. You don't think the emotions of last week's loss? No, because we're right there, Greg. You know, like, and I, here's the same thing. I think it's an easy, like, I don't, I, I refuse to take easy outs. Like, um, you know, and, and I'm not. You know, the questions are are legit questions, right? Mike Mike asked about fatigue, um, and that's a legit question. But like, I just refuse to accept that as an answer. You know, um, they're playing the same schedule we are. You know, they played on Saturday, we played on Thursday. Um, you know, the emotions like every game's an emotion. 
You know, every game you win or lose, you know, there's highs and lows, but you got to be able to respond. And I don't think that 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 game, because we're sitting there with a chance to win, you know, like in the fourth quarter. If And like I said, I said this just a second ago, if this was a game that we were never in or um, it wasn't competitive or something like that, then, yeah, I think then you go and, all right, well, how do we get them ready? And, you know, we got to really evaluate how we how we attack the, you know, the loss and all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't the case. We're right there in the fourth quarter, a chance to win, and we don't get it done. And that's what you got to go attack is, okay, why are we missing tackles? Why do we not get any separation at, at wideout in, on the last drive of the game when we still were in it? You know, those are the things you got to be able to go back and reevaluate. You know, is there a better call we could have had on fourth and two? You know, those are the things you go back and reevaluate. But I don't I don't think um, – I'm just not going to – I'm not going to allow that to be an out for us. Yeah, he, he he had a lower leg injury. Uh, no more when I meet with you guys on Monday. Um, I know they sent him for X-ray. That's all I know. Did Tomas warm up? Yeah, he warmed up, but we weren't going to play him. They, this is just kind of the next phase in his. Um, he needed a day, so we just used it, the warm up as his kind of. You'll, um, to start, it, it's ten out of the first quarter, but it's kind of quirky with the turnovers. But did you did you feel good? Not about the turnovers, but whatever you're talking about there. About yeah, the response coming back. Yeah, so like. We come out and really, man, just like a as weird as the fourth quarter was, the first couple of possessions were really weird too. Um, you know, I thought that uh, you know the ball hits them on the punt return. We get the ball back, and then Cole basically gets the ball taken away from him. You know, we we got the ball in the red zone with the chance to really take advantage of something early. We don't. Um, and then Garrett makes a bad decision, throws it into it, and we're down 10-0, you know. And, and then I thought we showed some real, um, you know, determination, heart, however you want to use it, to get back into it and take the lead going into half, you know. So we overcame that slow start, just need to finish better. So the Mountaineers have gone from one of two unbeatens in the Big 12 to now 500 in the league and now go on the road to the bounce house UCF next week, right? And UCF gave Oklahoma a big time scare today. Deck, you're going on the road mm -hmm. for that one, traveling to Orlando for that ball game. I mean, that, that one's huge, right? I mean, that, that one, West Virginia thought West Virginia needed a statement game this week. Well, right. that's your opportunity for a statement win. I know UCF is, is not necessarily a a team that has is struggling in the Big 12, right? But right. You, you go there and you don't want to be the team that gets them to turn their season around. And you really don't know, at least I, I would say, what kind of team UCF is at this point. Because you mm -hmm. think back to how they started uh, Big 12 play. They were in a ball game against Kansas State. Looked like they had knocked Baylor out of the Big 12 almost. And then Baylor comes storming back to win 36-35. They are in Orlando. They play bad against Kansas the following week. And then this week, as you mentioned, a two-point loss to number, eight, uh, number six, I should say, Oklahoma. I don't think West Virginia knows really what type mm -hmm. of team Gus Malzahn has at this point this year. I don't know if Gus Malzahn is what kind of team he has right now, but it's going to be a very interesting game. As you just mentioned, this was a statement game, potentially a statement game for West Virginia coming in. You thought next week really, I think, determines where this season goes and what kind of ending we might be in store for here in Morgantown. Four in a row, victorious, now back-to-back -back games with losses. If it's three in a row and West Virginia moves to 500 overall, going to start to see more and more folks sound the alarm. But it is a game that West Virginia, I mean, UCF is a, is a tough, tough place to play. Yeah, I think, I think that next week is critical, maybe even more so than this week going to UCF. You have to beat 
these big 12 newcomers, right? I think down the stretch, and especially because you got two coming to your place, right? You win those three games, that's seven wins, you get mm-hmm. to bowl eligibility, right? I think these games, particularly particularly against the big 12 newcomers that are remaining, are crucial for West Virginia. Yeah, so you look at the remaining five games on the schedule, three come against teams that currently have a losing record, UCF, Cincinnati, and Baylor. But two of those games are on the road, and one is a regional rivalry, you can say, where, as the old saying goes, you throw out the record books. So you you look down the rest of the season, West Virginia really needs to take care of business next week in Orlando. Absolutely so, and we will continue to bring you coverage of West Virginia football at GoldenBlueNation.com and on the free Golden Blue Nation app. You can download our app on Apple and Android smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, we invite you to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you're listening on our website, we remind you that you can find our podcast and have episodes delivered to you via Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music slash Audible. And uh, uh, one more footnote. This is now the fourth post-game podcast from Milan Pushkar Stadium. And just about every time, we've done it in the rain. What the heck? What the heck? Not a fan. Not a fan at all. We're going to go try to get dry now. Yep. That's a wrap on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. He's Ryan Decker. I'm Nick Farrell. We'll talk to you next time on the GBN Podcast.